pace place When the trail pace We ain't walking by sight It's a faith thing And you know the Lord Gotta get the glory So listen to this word And let go all of your worries Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode here on the Pace Place Podcast for Motivational Slash Mindful Monday. Right, so I just want to thank you guys for joining me here for another episode. I just want to thank all of you guys that have sent over your answer um, to the question at the end of each podcast. I really enjoy reading those. I'm just super grateful. I'm super thankful for um, the new Spotify followers that I'm receiving. Like, I am just so grateful for you guys. I'm so grateful for your support. And I just want to welcome you guys right on back over here where we can just get into the word of God and really delve into it and understand what it is saying and just revelation that God has given me from, you know, how I study and and what the word actually says and how he just breaks it down for me. I'm just super grateful that you guys are here yet again, another week to support your girl. Okay. And so we are at the end of the month, okay? So we have one more Monday before we get into February. And so I have a special surprise for you guys on that Tuesday, which would be the 30th, okay? And so stay tuned, okay? Come back next week and I'll have a special bonus episode for you guys on Tuesday. And I just cannot wait, okay? So once again, welcome back and we're gonna go ahead and get right into this word. So today we're gonna be coming from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, specifically verses 14 to 24. And I absolutely just, I love it. I love the way God is continuing to lead me through uh, the word, like scripture, because it goes into how I feel throughout the week, like the things that I'm going through personally. Like there's nothing on my podcast that I have gave to you guys, you know, that I have not yet experienced myself or that I have not yet had revelation from myself, like in my personal life. And that's why I just, I continue to do this and I, and I just love it because God has a way of allowing the word to hit me first before I can actually give it out. And so I'm super, super grateful. And let's go ahead and read what scripture says. So if you guys want to go ahead and grab your drinks, go ahead and get your coffee, your water. I have some tea here today and it's pretty good. It's a raspberry tea and it's also a dietary tea. So it helps me you know, regulate um, and just detox. And so go ahead and grab your drinks, guys, and let's get into this word. And we're going to start at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, and it reads, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Once again, that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 to 24. Okay, this is so good. It's so much meat 
in this scripture. And I wanted to start, and it's so crazy how the, the spirit of the Lord works, right? Because I wanted to start at verse 12. And so God was like, no, you need to go down a little bit more, like read a little bit more um, in the scripture of where like you want to, where, where we're going to start from. And I was like, okay, all right. And so just continue to be led by the spirit. It's just, it's amazing. And how this whole, the whole word was prepared. And I was just like over here, like, okay, Lord, okay, Lord. <laughs> but I'm just super grateful. And so it's just so much in here. And it's, this is Paul. And he's writing to the the church of Thessalonia. And he is writing to tell them, you know, to exhort one another, to treat one another in love, right? To esteem each other very highly until the day of the Lord comes. Like, it's going to be a time that he's going to come before now you can find peace and safety in the Lord. Like, this is what he is telling us, to overcome the darkness with good. Like, to be sober, to be vigilant, to be sober-minded in the things that we are um, doing as far as building up the kingdom of God, because if not, the enemy is lurking around to see whom he can devour. He tells us about the the helmet, right, which is the hope of salvation. Like Paul goes into so much that he is giving um, in this letter, and it's just absolutely amazing. I literally advise all of you to go read the entire chapter five. I mean, read the whole entire book of Thessalonians. It is so so good he also tells us to comfort one another right and to edify the body of Christ, not to tear each other down, but to admonish one another, to esteem each other very highly and to esteem each other in love that we may have peace among ourselves. And then we come here to verse 14, where he talks about the exhortation of the body of Christ. Okay. And he tells us to warn, okay, to warn the unruly. But before he goes into warning, he says, now we exhort you, brethren. To exhort is to tell someone what they must do, but without a sharpness or a, a critical spirit. It's to correct in love. It's not to rebuke or to condemn somebody, right? But it's to make a suggestion, to give advice, right? From a place of love, from a place of comfort. Okay, it is urgent and it is serious business, but it is also associated with love. It's also associated with comfort, right? We don't want to be telling people things with a sharpness that is going to cut them, right? That they're not going to be able to receive what you're saying because they're too, you know, they're taking offense because of how the delivery is coming out. And so I love that he first starts it off with, now we exhort you, brethren, Okay, and so he is exhorting the people to tell them to, to warn those who are unruly, to comfort the feeble minded, and then to support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Be patient toward all. Paul told the Thessalonians, right, the entire body of people, not only the pastors or the leaders, right, or the ministers, but he told the entire body of people in Thessalonia to, to minister in a variety of ways, depending on the state of the person who needs to be ministered to. That is what you're going to give out, right? So, if someone is unruly, the duty of the believer is to warn them. Others need comfort and others need to be upheld. It's so interesting because this word unruly, it is so amazing. The definition, it actually means somebody that's disorderly. Okay, somebody that is lazy in conduct. And I was like, man, that is so good. Somebody that is insubordinate 
okay, <laughs> is an unruly person. And when I really think about this unruliness, it makes me think about myself and how, you know, I was once outside of the will of God, once I was lazy, right? Once I was comfortable in walking in insubordination because I knew nothing else. I didn't know the truth. I was not in the knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. And so I felt like the things that I was that I was doing was correct. And it's interesting, too, because I just had a conversation with my husband last night and I was telling him, I was like, man, I remember a time where I was like when he would ask me, like, you don't think anything is wrong with you? And I would say no. Because I really felt like it was nothing wrong with me. And I really felt like I had nothing to work on. But in the same breath, I would say, well, I know I'm not perfect, but I don't feel like I got nothing to work on. Like, the chokehold that the enemy had me in with the way that I would think was so unruly to the point where I just felt like, you know, I'm fine the way I am. I was self-willed. I was a person who, who simply was living off of my own demands, okay, holding to my own opinions and my own preferences because, you know, I felt like I was right <laughs> all the time, you know, and I can literally laugh about it now because it's hilarious. And I just, I'm just grateful the fact that God saved me, like he understood me. He waited for me to come into this place that I am in now and I'm super super grateful for that so we must warn the people my husband was my my warner like he was the person always telling me like I know something is wrong with you you know you need to work on yourself <laughs> you need to work on yourself but that's with all of us like sometimes we can be in that place of being self-willed we can be in that place of just holding on to our own preferences our own opinions our own desires and the things that we want to do so bad that we can't see the flaws in ourselves or we just choose not to hold the mirror up because we don't like what we see and we don't want to confront the man that we see in the mirror and so it's easier to just walk around with the facade in this fake reality to say well i'm fine the way that i am God created me like this, so I am like this. But one thing that we have to understand and realize is that God created us in his image, and his image is perfect. His image is without sin, okay? His image is loving and not the worldly love with, that comes with conditions and standards, but the agape love that is loving even when somebody has hurt us, even when we don't like a person, even when we just feel like, child, okay, I'm at my last end with this person. Like God created us still in his image, not in the image of man, right? In the image of God. And so when we walk around and, and say that, you know, God created us like this, this is, this is not how God created me. I was one of those people that say, well, God created me like this. So you don't like to take it up with him. You know, like God did not create me to be that way. I picked up those habits along the way. I picked up those traits along the way from my family, right? From my friends, from even TV, from things that I would watch. Like, what are we feeding ourselves, right? And so I absolutely love that. I was just like, man, unruly child. Woo. Okay, talk about your girl. <laughs> but let's keep going. So, and then he talks about, the feeble-minded. And now when we look into this word feeble-minded, it actually means faint-hearted or little-spirited. Okay, so the faint-hearted people are those who literally are small-souled. Okay, by nature or experience, they tend to be very timid and they, they also lack courage. These people need comfort in the same sense of assisting with strengthening them for strength to literally be brought to them so that they can understand that we can stand boldly in Christ. We can stand courageously in Christ because of what Jesus has done for us at the cross. There is no lack. And that is including a lack of courage. 
Christ did not die on the cross for us to be timid and lacking of courage, right? He died on the cross for us to be courageous and bold when it comes to speaking the word of the Lord, when it comes to teaching those things, when it comes to spreading the gospel, when it comes to making of disciples, when it comes to walking as a disciple, when it comes to walking in discipline and obedience, we have to do those things with authority and with a boldness to know that it doesn't matter what the enemy may try to throw at us. I can stand confidently with my head held high and know that I am weak, but my weakness is made strong in the Lord. And so that is, I just, I absolutely love that. And the weak, right? We must be upheld and assisted with an eye to building our strength instead of perpetuating our weakness, right? We have to have people around us that is able to strengthen us, people around us that is that we're able to lean on because not all times, right, we're going to get it right. Not all times we're going to feel strong. Just this week, your girl was feeling real low. <laughs> and when I say low, I just mean like my spirit was, was whew, it was down. My countenance had failed and it wasn't because of my belief or my faith in Christ, but it was just because of worldly circumstances. Like sometimes the things and, and you know, that I go through, it, it kind of gets the best of me that day or that week, but I can continue to have strong people around me that can continue to feed me, that can continue to strengthen me, that can continue to speak life into me so that I can continue to walk upright with God, right? I can feed off of the strength of my friends. And I absolutely love that. We are weak, but in Christ, our weakness is made strong. We have to learn how to be patient with all people. Patience is such a, a hard thing for me because when I feel like you're testing my patience, my patience get thinner. Okay. <laughs> So it's always been like a hard, like a struggle with with that. And I have to continue to teach my, like to, to tell myself, girl, woo, calm down, get it together. Okay. Get it together, Latrell. Calm down. Come back to reality. Don't take it so personal. You know, I be having talks to myself in my head when it comes to certain aspects of being patient. Like with my kids, I had to understand their children. If I have to explain something to them 30 times, that is what if if that's what it takes, then that's what I'll do. But when I feel like they know what they're doing and they're just choosing or making a conscious decision not to do it, then my patience starts to wear real thin and you know, I start yelling. If I haven't told y'all this before, I'm a yeller. And so I, I, that is something that I'm definitely working on as far as when I feel like my patience is wearing out and I feel, well, maybe you can't hear me. So I'll talk a little louder and I'll go to yelling. But, you know, when we are in that tough space of being impatient, different approaches must be taken with different people. So as believers, we must be patient with all people because we don't know the other end of the, the circumstances of what people are going through, through believers, right? in the Christian walk is shown by the ability that we have to love and to help difficult people. Because some people, it's just going to be difficult. Some people is just going to want to give us a hard time, but to still have that ability to help, to still have that ability to love and be patient with those people, it just shows our walk as being believers in Christ. We don't look for only perfect people to minister to. We look for the imperfect people to minister to. These are the people that God wants in the kingdom. He longs for every single person to be saved, right? And so it's just like when Jesus said, the whole don't need a physician. It's the sick that needs the physician, 
And this is why he walked with sinners, right? The tax collectors, people who were imperfect, people who needed to hear the, the gospel, people who needed salvation. If you're already saved and we just chilling every day, child, okay, talking to one another. I mean, it ain't like we can get re-saved. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we have to go out and minister to those people who need to hear the gospel of Christ, the people who needs the salvation and minister to them with love and with patience because we have to understand that people who don't believe they tend to try to push buttons to see what kind of reaction they're going to get out of us as believers and they they do it just because just because they want to so that's where our patients have to really be real long, okay? Our patients have to be able to withstand even those difficult people who we're going to run into sometime, someday. We live in this world of this, in this place of duality where there is good and evil. And for us, we have to learn how to maneuver in this world as a believer, not compromising ourselves just to preach the gospel. Yes, we want to meet people where they are, but we don't want to engage in the things that they are doing in order to reach them. If that makes sense. I hope y'all got that. But, <laughs> you know, we, we definitely want to meet people where they are, but not fall into the, the sinful state that they're in just to give them a word. You know what I'm saying? And so we can see this, that we're not supposed to render no evil for evil to anyone. So it doesn't matter if this person has done you wrong, child. If this person has done time and time and time again, child, you just keep forgiving them. And they just keep doing the same old things. We never want to seek revenge or vengeance. Just continue to walk in love. Like, it's okay to forgive somebody and never deal with them again. It's okay to forgive them and continue to move forward and leave them right where they are. Because sometimes it takes God to step into that situation uh, that that person, whatever that person has going on within themselves in order for them to understand what they are doing. The believer should never seek revenge or vengeance, but let God take up that on our side. We Vengeance doesn't belong to us. So it's not something that we should be taking up because then we're, we're, we're trying to take what rightfully is the Lord's. It doesn't belong to us anyway. So how can we think that we can get revenge on someone for something that they have done to us? We don't have a heaven or a hell to put nobody in. The only thing that we can do is continue to move in love. Instead, we must always pursue what is good for both ourselves and for the other person. We have to continue to pursue, pursue those things that are good. When we have a forgiving heart towards others, it's not only for them, but it's also for us. When we, when we honestly can just release that stress of what this person has done and what they have said and how they have betrayed us, it does something for my spirit to walk in forgiveness, right? I don't have that weight on my heart that every time I see this person, I just like, ugh. You know, how when you when you know somebody has done you wrong and then you come around them or, or they come around you or, you know, you can just, somebody can mention their name and you just have a disgust in your stomach for them. That's a place of unforgiveness. That's something that has to be checked. And in this passage, Paul will write about more spiritual matters such as prayer, right? Thanksgiving and worship. But before these spiritual things, before these spiritual matters comes the teaching about right relationships. Jesus made it plain that we should get things right with people before we come to worship God. If we look at Matthew chapter 5 verses 23 and 24 it says, 
Therefore, if you bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thou brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way first and be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. And then come and offer your gift to the God, to the Lord and then come and worship God and then come and get in and, and pray. Right. And then come and be faithful, because how can you be faithful to God when you're holding unforgiveness in your heart for the people who you are amongst this earth with? We have to get in right relationship with people, not only with God, but also with the people who we are on this earth with it's about right relationships so before we can even obtain the more spiritual matters that paul talks about right in verses 16 to 18 we can't even get into that until we are in right relationship with our brothers and our sisters in christ and I find that to be awesome, just absolutely amazing that in all of that, right, verse 16 tells us rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore, always, in everything, right? Not only rejoicing in happy things, but in sorrows as well. As believers, we can always rejoice because there our, our our joy isn't based on circumstances it's based in god circumstances change and this is what i was talking about in the previous podcast right the circumstances change all the time but God is always the same he never changes he's the same God back then the same God today and will be the same God tomorrow so our joy is found in him because he's the constant thing in our life he is always going to be consistent he's always going to be faithful Hallelujah. Like, how amazing is that? How amazing is that? And rejoicing because we have found our joy in the Lord. And praying because we have found our joy in the Lord. And then it goes on to say, pray without ceasing. As believers, right, we are to pray continually. We can't bow our heads, right? We can't close our eyes and fold our hands all the time, right? Because sometimes we got to pray at work, okay? Sometimes I be at my desk, child, typing a note, and I just have to send up a prayer real quick, right? Like, prayer is communication with God. We can live each minute of the day in a constant flowing of conversation with God. Ooh, hallelujah. There is significance, of course, in, in, in the importance, right, in the value, in the time where we, we shut all things out. There is no distractions and we can focus solely on God in the time of the closet prayer, right? How Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Let me tell y'all something about this closet prayer, right? And I found this to be so, so amazing. That the closet prayer, it actually means a storehouse, a secret chamber on the ground floor. Oh my goodness. It's a secret place. And that secret place does not have to be a tangible physical place. That secret place can be in my mind when I focus my mind and my body and my heart and my soul on the things that are above. I have entered into the secret place of the most high to give him the praise that he deserves, to pray the things that need to be prayed. Right. Oh, man. To speak those things that need to be spoken when I am in the presence of the Lord. 
when I have shut out all those distractions, all of that is fine. But in that same way, it doesn't have to be a physical location. Hallelujah. How amazing is that for us as believers that in every moment of the day, we can be in fellowship with God. What great value do we have that every single moment, minute, hour, second that we are granted the opportunity to be alive, that we can be in communication with our father? There are many valuable implications to this, right, to this command, like the use of the voice is not essential. It's not an essential element. In prayer, and I say that because the a couple of days ago I woke up and I was getting ready to pray, right? And God told me that I didn't have to speak a word. He told me to worship Him, and so I just I sat there and I just worshipped. I was on my knees. I just worshipped. I was in this place in this posture of just soaking and basking in the presence of the Lord that a word did not have to be uttered out of my mouth in order to be in communication with God. The posture of prayer is not primarily important either. Because it's not all the time that I am on my hands and my knees, right? It's not all the time that I'm prostrated on the floor praying. Like I said, sometimes I'm literally sitting at my desk in my office praying. <laughs> sometimes I'm standing up. Oh, the place of prayer is not really significant either. And it's so crazy because I just had a friend of mine call me the other day and I was at work and she was like, you know, I need prayer. Can you pray? You have time. And I was like, of course, <laughs> who don't have time to pray, girl? I got I always got time to pray. OK, like, let's pray. And I was in my office at work. So the place and the environment, it, it kind of is it's not of great importance because we no longer live under the old covenant where we have to go to the temple. Well, we have to bring our offering, right? We have to allow the, the high priest to go in for us. The veil has been torn. Hallelujah. As believers, we should never be in a place where we cannot pray. Mm. We should never be in a place where we cannot pray and lift up someone or even ourselves to the Lord in prayer. In mm, 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 mm. everything, give thanks. We don't give thanks for everything, but in everything, we recognize God's sovereign hand is in charge. And we do not move by blind fate or chance. It's not a 50-50% out here, okay? We understand God's hand is always moving on our behalf. When joy and prayer are met and married, right, the first thing that it born is gratitude. How amazing is that? We have to continue to stay in a place of joy, and giving thanks because we give thanks from a place in Christ, from a place of contentment, no matter what it may look like, no matter what it may sound like, no matter who may think what, we know that God's hand, we recognize the hand of God in all things, even the things that's looking bleak, even when the circumstances don't look like it's going to fall in our favor, right? Even when it's something that we want and God says no, we can still find joy. Hallelujah. We can still have gratitude. We can still have a posture of prayer and communication with God. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for the believers, for the body of Christ. After each one of these exhortations, right, after rejoicing, after praying without ceasing, after giving thanks in everything, we are told to do this because it is the will of God. The thought is, this is God's will so I can do it. I, I have the ability to do it. 
And it isn't easy to rejoice always, right? It isn't easy to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all things, to give thanks in everything. It's not. But we can do it because it is the will of God. We have the ability to do it. We have the privilege to do it because of what Christ has done for us at the cross, because of what we believe in, because of who we believe in, because circumstances don't last always. But the one constant thing that we can always depend on is the faithfulness of God, because if he said he's going to do it, he can do it. And we can find the assurance in knowing that he will accomplish that thing. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Quenching not the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Mm. Let me actually go to quench because I want y'all to get this, okay? The word quench means to extinguish, to suppress. We can quench the, the, the fire of the spirit by our doubts. By our indifferences, by our rejection of God, by our distractions of other people. When people start to draw attention to themselves, it is a sure quenching of the spirit. It just makes me think about Moses and how God told Moses to go and speak to the rock for the people to receive water because they were thirsty and they were the whining and complaining and murmuring in the wilderness. But what did Moses do? Because his he was so annoyed with the people. He was upset with the people. Their murmuring, right? Their complaining and whining was a distraction for Moses. And he hit the rock. Mm. He quenched the spirit because now the people are not looking at the rock and saying God has provided. They're looking at the rock and saying Moses has provided us a way of us quenching our thirst. Who? Hallelujah. The distractions of other people will cause us to quench the spirit. The distractions of other people will cause us to walk in disobedience. The doubts in our minds of what the Lord can actually do for us can cause us to be disobedient. Ooh. It can cause us to reject God. It can cause us to put out the flame. In some sort of way. It could cause us to put our put our light, right? Our our lamp under a under a bushel. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stop putting out the fire. Stop putting out the spirit fire. Ooh. Hallelujah. God does not want us to extinguish the flame that he has placed inside of us. He wanted to burn brightly in this environment that we're in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A flame can be extinguished when it is ignored and no longer tended to. Or when the flame is overwhelmed by something else. And it all boils down to what are you feeding yourself? What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? There is a quenching of the spirit that we can also do in others. People may quench in, 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 in ministers by discouraging them. By talking about somebody. By setting bad examples. By reproaching somebody else's zeal. That they have for the Lord. We have to be mindful. We have to be in a place where we're consciously aware of what we're putting out. And understanding by us drawing attention to ourselves is always. And when I say always, it is always bad. When we are operating in the building of the kingdom of God, it's no longer about us. When we give our lives over to Christ, our lives are no longer our, our own. We are bought for a price. 
We were purchased by the Lord. And we shall live our lives in expectation of the will of God over our lives. Not about what we want. Hallelujah. It's not about what we want. Hallelujah. Oh, do not despise prophecy. Now this is this this right here, it got me. Okay. Despise not prophesying. And I love this because of what it says. It says prophecy. The prediction of events relating to Christ's kingdom and its speedy triumph, together with the consolations and admonitions pertaining to it. The spirit of prophecy, the divine mind to which the prophetic faculty is due. I find that to be absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. We recognize that the Lord speaks to and through his people. And we learn to be open to his voice. Of course, always test prophecy, right? But do not despise prophecies. And this is why he follows it up with test all things. He tells us to prove all things. Things. Prove it. Because any prophecy that we receive from somebody should already be a confirmation from what God has already told us. It should be a confirmation from what we have already been discerning in the spirit. And in that, we have to test it. Prove it. Go. Right. In your own time and pray about it. Do you do we really think that when we pray about prophecies that we have received that God won't answer? He will. And in him answering, we have to hold fast to that which is good. Evil and deception can show itself even in a spiritual setting. Evil and deception can show up at the church, okay, for Sunday morning worship service, okay? Evil and deception can show up at the Bible study. Evil and deception can show up at my school. Evil, evil and deception can show up in my house amongst my family. We don't ever want to get it twisted, we need to understand that trying the spirit by the spirit, using righteous judgment to know who we are laboring amongst. Who sent you? That's okay to go into prayer about who and what. Oh, man. It is important as believers that we test all things. When the tests have been made according to the standard of God's word and the discernment of spirit amongst us, we then can hold fast to the things that are good. Between the time Paul last saw the Thessalonians and the writing of this letter, he had spent time in Berea. And while he was here in Berea, he, he noticed that the believers were of a noble character because they heard his teachings and they diligently searched the scripture to see if what he said was true. Paul literally, he wanted the Thessalonians to have more of the heart and of the mind that the Bereans had. And that is the heart and the mind that we too in this day should have to diligently search the scriptures. The Bereans did not take what Paul said at face value. They heard what he said. They listened to what he said. They then went and searched diligently the scripture to see if what he said was true. 
Are we diligently searching the scripture to understand and to see what our pastors are saying is true, to see what people are telling us about the word of God is true, or are we just blindly taking it at face value? Are we? Are we testing all things that come out of people's mouths about us, to us, about the word of God, or are we not doing it? We have to get in the practice of testing all things. And it does not be mean being rude. It does not mean being, you know, out here unruly and just disrespectful. But it means to listen with an intent and then to be intentional about going behind. Right. After we hear something, after something has been preached, after something has been taught, after something has been said, go behind them. And search the scriptures diligently to prove what is coming out of people's mouth. Because evil and deception can show up in so many different ways. But if we're don't if we're not in a in a habit of testing what people say, proving that the things that are coming out of people's mouths is truthful, we're gonna find ourselves in a world of trouble. A world of trouble. And then the scripture tells us to Abstain from all appearance of evil. And I find this to be so amazing because abstain from all appearance of evil, it actually means any appearance, shape, fashion, or sight. An outward appearance. Mm. What are we seeing? What are we allowing? What are we allowing? Because it doesn't say some, it says all. Not just evil, but the appearance of evil. Hmm. Wow. What are we allowing in our lives? Who are we allowing in our lives? It points to the external form in which evil presents itself. We are to shun evil in whatever form or appearance it may present itself. And in that, in all of that, right, in all of that, and the very God of peace will sanctify us wholly and completely. The idea the behind the, the, the word sanctify is to be set apart, to make something different from everything else, breaking old associations and forming new association. He will sanctify us completely. Don't spoil your testimony by, for instance, going to occasions where you don't belong as a believer or by saying things that are not supposed to be said as a believer. The great purpose of all the previous admonitions and appeals is sanctification. God is working on it as the God of peace and gives you the power for it. He, he literally wants each part of our being our spirit, our soul, and our body committed to him entirely. By the body, we express who we are. That is what people see of you. That's how you make clear to them what your soul and your spirit is occupied with. Your soul has to do with your feelings, your emotions, your ways of experiencing the things that you hear and see. It goes back to what are we feeding ourselves? But by the spirit, we are able to have a relationship with God and by which we can stand above the animals. Mm. We can stand above the animalistic nature of people to tear each other down. 
because we have that level of consciousness of who God is. We understand that we are set apart. Each of the three parts of our human being is a target for the attacks of Satan. Paul desires that the God of peace will preserve us from coming under the influence of Satan. The attacks of Satan on our spirit are meant to interrupt the worship and the prayer life. His attacks on our soul responds to our desires, right? Our emotions. That's why we are not to be moved out of emotions. We are not to be compelled to act out of our emotions. With his attacks on our bodies, he wants to succeed, right? To make us do the wrong thing with our bodies, it's so interesting because the enemy has been up to the same thing since the beginning of time, right? Since Eden. These attacks are still going on to this day. The world is his firm ally. If we read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. It's of the world. We have to continue to crucify that flesh daily. This is why the word tells us to do it daily, to stay in a posture of repentance. But we can continue to look for it and take solace that there comes a time, right? There comes an end to his cursed activities at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only then will there be no more attacks and the sanctification process will be complete. Up to that moment, we can count on the unwavering faithfulness of God. He has called us to this life and in fellowship with him. He will stand beside us in his faithfulness into bringing into practice what is previously said and bring us safety until the end. He will do what he has promised to do. What an assurance is that, that God will do what he has promised to do. The faithfulness of God is also shown in the support that we can give to one another as brothers and sisters, as the body of Christ. The most powerful support is that we pray for one another. The prayers of the righteous avail of much. The fervent prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have compassion for one another. Admonish one another. Consider one another. Help one another. Love one another. And with that, that is the end, guys. And I just, I want to take a moment for us to really, really be in this place where we can understand that God is faithful to do what he said he will do. He will preserve our whole spirit, our whole body, our whole soul so that we may receive what it is that God has intended for us to receive, that we may walk this earth and we may be able to finish the race and finish strong. It's the God of peace who will sanctify us and preserve us to be blameless in the coming of Christ Jesus. 
We will not be defeated by the kingdom of darkness. We can walk boldly and confidently in who we are in Christ. We are not self-reliant, but we are depending solely on the Lord, on the finished work of the cross. Being able to be set apart. Hallelujah. Understanding that we can hold each other up. We can hold to those things that are good. We don't have to quench the spirit. We don't have to despise prophecy. We can be who God has created us to be. We can pray without ceasing. We can give thanks in all things. And we can rejoice always and know that God is faithful. And in our weakness, we are made strong in him. We can ask the Lord for a new measure of faith to keep pushing, to keep going, to allow our spirits to persevere, to allow our souls to catch up. Right To catch up to who we already are in heaven. Because it is already done. Hallelujah. And so with that, guys, I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. And I want to just thank everybody for joining me here on the Pace Place podcast with your host, Latrell Pace. And I want you guys to go out and, and really ponder on this word. Think about it. Meditate on it. Be the people who God have called you to be. Walk in the potential of what he have already placed inside of us and understand that we are all predestined since the beginning of time. So we can't do it without him. We didn't ask to be born. We weren't asked to be here, especially not in a time of the one that we are living in. So we must always be dependent on God. We must come into the conscious awareness that it is by his spirit. It is by his spirit. It is not on self-reliance. It is not in what we can do for ourselves. It is not of, in us being self-made. But it's in the reliance of God. Jesus told his disciples that the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Our spirits are willing. But because we live in this flesh and because we are born into sin... The flesh is weak, but our flesh is made strong in Christ that we can persevere and we can do it. But we have to continue to recognize that the authority and the power comes from our faithful obedience to the Lord. Most gracious and heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this day. I thank you for another successful podcast episode, Father God. I thank you for you just using me in this moment, Father God, to give what you have placed in my heart to give your people, Father God. I thank you for all that you have done on our behalf, Father God. I thank you for all that you will be doing on our behalf, Father God. I thank you for the continuance of just being faithful to your people, Father God. I thank you that you are continuing to be the same God. We can know without a shadow of a doubt that you are the same God. You will always be the same God. We can count on it. We can depend on it. And we can find solace and comfort in that. Knowing that your promises are faithful. Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that the ears of your people have been opened, Father God. The eyes of your people have been opened, Father God, to receive, Father God, what you have intended for your people to receive, Lord. That the hearts of your people have been opened, Lord God, that they may receive what it is that you want to impart in them, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for you just being you. That you are intricate with how you handle your people. Hallelujah. I thank you for your faithfulness towards us, Father. As we go forth in the rest of this day, Lord God, I just ask that you continue to walk with us. You continue to talk with us and continue to allow us to walk in the potential of you, Lord God, in your image and understand that you are spirit. 
You are not flesh. You are not of sin. Hallelujah. Allow us to come into agreement of what those things that are being interceded on our behalf in heaven, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that the blood of Jesus still speaks better things than those of Abel, Father God, that we are continuing to be washed in his blood, Lord God. If there's anybody who is listening to this podcast, Father God, who has not given their life over to Christ, Father, I pray right now that you touch their hearts. Hallelujah. Allow them to find, hallelujah, the community of believers around them, Lord God where they can be saved. Allow them to profess in their hearts and believe with their minds, Father God, that Jesus is the Christ. He is your only begotten son and it is only through him that we all can be saved. There is no way of getting in right relationship with the Father except through the Son. Hallelujah. I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for each and every listener who is listening, Lord God. I ask that you continue to rain blessings in their lives, Father God. You know the things that your people have placed before you, Father God. You know the things that your people have been struggling with, Lord God. The things that have been uh, plaguing their minds, Lord God, plaguing their lives, Father God. I ask that your will be done in every situation, Father. We thank you for your omniscience and your omnipresence, and we just continue to praise you and honor you. Allow us to have a heart's posture of rejoicing, Lord God, always in all things, giving thanks in all things, Lord God, and praying without ceasing. Hallelujah. Knowing that we don't have to render evil for evil, Lord God, but vengeance belongs to you. And it's not that you're going to get anybody back on our behalf, Father God, but that you will do your perfect will in their lives as well as our lives, Lord God. Because reconciliation is in order when we come into the knowledge of Christ, when we walk this walk. Hallelujah. Allow us to walk in forgiveness, not holding anything in our hearts for anybody, anybody who has even done us wrong, Lord God. Allow us to be able to let it go and forgive and leave it up to you to do the work that you need to do in your people, Father God. Hallelujah. We thank you and we praise you. We honor you. We worship you. We love you, Lord. Amen and amen.